think the way we pray is, it, prayer, is a, prayer is a powerful thing, but I think it's when you grow up in church, it's just you hear prayers all the time in different styles and stuff, and little quirks that people have when they pray. I don't know, little phrases that I don't understand to this day. But we use the phrases, but we, we, that's just what we heard growing up. We think that's just the right thing to say when we pray. You know, like hedge of protection. You ever hear that? I hear that a lot. Hedge of protection. Damn, we are praying a hedge of protection around you, buddy. That's right, a hedge. Mm-hmm. Around you and your whole family. A hedge, huh? I don't mean to complain. Is that the best you can do? How about a thick cement wall? With some razor wire on top of that bad boy. Hedge protect, good set of clippers, get right through that thing. I'm sure the devil's got a set of those. I mean, you think a hedge is going to scare the devil away? What is this greenery? I can't get through that. Move that bush. My greatest weakness is landscaping. How do they know? That's how the devil walks, like this. Whoa. He has a pointy tail. He doesn't want to step on his tail. And he talks like a game show host. Fantastic. You get the turtle wax. <laughs> Forget the last 30 seconds ever happened in your life. I know. Some people, like when they pray, they get nervous and they say just too much. You know, you're praying in a small group, and it's like, Lord, I just want to just, we just, we just come to just in spirit. Just, we just, just in justliness and justification. And just, we say just, and we just. And you're like, just finish the prayer. You're just not ready for this. Start stacking chairs. Come back next week and try again. My dad does this when he prays. He uses father way too much when he prays. Father, we come to you, Father, and it's spirit of Father, Father, you are Father, we come to you, Father, Father, just, just, Father, Father, just, 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 Father, Father. You don't talk to your friends like that. Ed, Ed, come over, Ed, 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 you are Ed, 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 Good morning. Isn't that so true? Sometimes we say just funny things in our prayers, and it's okay to laugh at ourselves sometimes. We are in a series called the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. It has been awesome, and we are in week three. Uh, The first week, Pastor Mike shared that prayer is what connects us to God, while fasting disconnects us from the world. And last week, Pastor Nate shared about the power of the Lord's Prayer. And he says that prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. And today, I want to share with you that prayer is the greatest tool we have to persevere in life and faith. Sometimes when we've prayed for a long time, we can feel weary. We don't see results. We don't feel God's presence. Sometimes our prayer of, prayers of faith can move to doubt. Has anyone been there before where you were in a place where you felt that God was asking you to do something, telling you to take a step, a leap of faith, and things were good for a little while, 
and then they weren't anymore. Maybe you thought God asked you to take a job or to move across the country or to take on a challenging friendship or mentorship that then turned south. And at first you thought, wow, God is with me. And then later you start thinking, wait, is God with me? Did I hear him right? Am I really where I'm supposed to be doing what God wants me to do? I felt that way when I was in college. Early on my freshman year, I was so clear that God was calling me to pursue ministry and study theology. So I did. But then my senior year, that confidence that I had and that faith turned to doubt because I was going for job after job after job and nobody wanted me, no one hired me. And I began to question, well, maybe I didn't hear God right. Maybe I'm not called to ministry after all. And during that time, I was feeling so discouraged and my prayers just became so filled with doubt. And it moved from faith to doubt. Have you been there before when your prayers go from confidence to then questioning. Many people in the Bible felt this way as well. Um, even the disciples who had Jesus right in front of them felt this way, where they would go from faith to doubt, sometimes on a daily basis. They would see Jesus turn water into wine, raise people from the dead, walk on water, multiply bread and fish, and heal so many people. And even they ebbed and flowed between faith and doubt. They would ask silly questions. They would try to get in the way of what Jesus was trying to do to the point where he even told one of his disciples, get behind me, Satan. You don't understand what I'm doing. They were confused a lot of the time, and yet they had Jesus right in front of them. So how much harder is our job? We don't have Jesus right in front of us, but we have our faith and trust in him, and we can pray to him. So this morning, my argument is that prayer is what helps us press through those seasons of doubt and uncertainty. And sometimes it can feel like prayer is the very thing that continues to frustrate and discourage us, but it's actually the thing that strengthens us. And we can look at the disciples that wrestled with this, but also we can look at the story of John the Baptist. He makes a very quick appearance in scripture, and, but I think we have a lot to learn about how he wrestled with faith and doubt with God. So John the Baptist, he was called this, not to be confused with the denomination Baptist, that came much, much later. He was called this because he baptized people. And there was a prophecy over his life before he was even born. We see in Luke chapter 1, woven within the Christmas stories, that God saw his parents were righteous. They wanted to give him a son to set him apart. They said, the angel said that he would have the Holy Spirit in him before he was even born, and that his life would be about preparing the way for a move of God, for the Messiah, for the one that would come to redeem the world. So that's a pretty big calling on your life. And that is what John the Baptist stepped into. So we see that. And then fast forward to the next time we see him in Matthew chapter 3. He's in the wilderness. And he hears from God a word from him. And he knows he's supposed to start preaching and baptizing people. 
and he's getting a lot of attention. He's making bold statements and he has big faith. He is saying things like, you need to repent, you need to turn back to God. And he is calling out religious leaders, the Pharisees and other people and waking them up and shaking them up. And if he had, if he was here today, he would probably have a Twitter where, you know, he's putting these tweets out about hashtag come to God or come get dunked and his account might be called, you know, JBT and people will be following him. Maybe he would even be banned because he was saying some bold statements. People came though to hear his heavenly words. It was like a revival where so many people were coming to the point where they thought he was the Messiah. They were about ready to like make him just worship him because of the cool things he was doing with baptizing and preaching. But he said, no, 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 no. I am not the Messiah. He, I baptize you guys with water. And when he comes, he's going to baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus comes on the scene, we see John's faith in him. We see in John chapter one, where it says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says that when he sees Jesus. And he also says a few verses later, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And in Matthew 3, when Jesus comes to be baptized by him, John responds, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think I want to baptize you. You need to baptize me but then Jesus has him do it. And this is a big deal. He was baptizing the savior of the world, the one who was going to take his sins away. He got the opportunity to baptize him. And if I, that was me, I would be sweating. I would be running to make it so perfect. So it's like, I am baptizing Jesus. Like this is a huge honor. And this was the start of the ministry of Jesus. Heaven opened, the voice of God was heard, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and John witnessed all of it. How exciting would that be? This was probably the highest point in his life and his faith in God. Can you imagine a time where you had a high point in your life where you just felt so spiritually on fire and that you just feel God's presence, that everything was right? Maybe it was during a summer camp or a conference or in community with other believers or after a really awesome worship service and you just felt God's presence and you were so excited about it. That is what John felt in this time. He was at such a high point. But then... Remember when I was saying those bold statements that he was making? They got him in trouble, those bold statements. He was saying things about the king as well, and he was thrown in jail because the king did not like what he was saying about the evil lifestyle that he had. So when he was in jail, um, we don't know how long he was there for. We don't know if it was months or years, but we see in scripture that this is the time where his faith started to be challenged. Imagine a jail cell that is just so lonely and dark, smelly, dirty, and he's just alone. I bet he had so much time to think. He was cut off from what he was doing before and the freedom that he had outside of those walls. And he began to wonder if he had fulfilled his life purpose and if Jesus was really the one that his life was pointing to. During this time, his thoughts were filled with doubt and wrestling and curiosity. 
And I think he felt very disconnected from God at that time. And if you've ever felt disconnected from God, you know that it feels so lonely and dark and like, like you don't feel him anymore. And maybe for you, that was all of 2020, where you felt completely disconnected from God and others. And when we feel disconnected from God, it is easy for our prayers to turn to uncertainty and doubt, especially when our circumstances make it hard to have faith. Our prayers can turn into, God, I don't understand. Or God, is this really what you have for me? Or should I keep praying or is this the answer? We see John the Baptist in this dark place and the faith that he had turned into questioning. We know this because in Matthew 11, verse 3, he has his followers go to Jesus and ask him a question. This is the question. He says, are you the one to come or should we expect another? I bet that took a lot of courage for him to ask that question because it reveals the condition of his heart. He literally went from declaring, this is the Messiah to, are you the Messiah? Is this really how the story is going to pan out? I spent my life preparing the way for you and now I don't even get to see it in action. God, is this really it? And our prayers can sound like this as well when we just don't understand. When we're confused and discouraged and just weary in prayer, when we don't understand what God is doing or we don't even know how to pray anymore, that's how I feel when I pray for our country, where it's so divided and chaotic. I'm like, God, I don't even know what to pray anymore. So if you're discouraged, if you are in that place right now with your prayers, I want to encourage you that the Bible tells us again and again to persevere in our prayers. In Romans 12, 12, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Or in Matthew 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God works in unexpected ways. And the best thing that we can do when we just struggle in our prayer lives is to keep looking to him and seeking him and clinging to him as much as we can. It was so hard when I tried to do that in my college years of, God, I don't understand. My circumstances seem like I'm not called to ministry, but I know that you told me that, and I'm gonna keep pressing forward and trusting and hoping in you. And I believe that's what John did as well. He held on. He kept the faith. He kept praying. He was a devout Jew, and they were known for praying multiple times a day and seeking God. And I believe that's what he was doing in his jail cell. And he was wrestling with this question, is Jesus the Messiah or not? And he got the courage to ask that question. He was seeking answers. He was seeking Jesus from his jail cell. He could have easily thrown in the towel and been like, well, guess I was wrong. This sucks. I'm done. But no, 
Instead, he kept pressing forward in the darkness, in the pain and uncertainty. That is why prayer is so important, because it was the only thing that got him through. And prayer is what we need to persevere, and it gives us strength. And when he pressed through and he sought these answers, he got the answer that he was waiting for. So I want to encourage you, what if God is waiting to give you an answer after pressing through for a little bit longer? What if you are just on the other side of breakthrough? Breakthrough looks like a marriage that is falling apart, being restored. Or if you have a bunch of needs for God to miraculously provide at the perfect time. Or breakthrough looks like breaking free from addiction, depression, and anxiety. Or breakthrough is a child coming back to faith, coming back to God after running away for a long time. Breakthrough is moving from brokenness to restoration, from surviving to thriving, from disconnection to flourishing. And in this month of 21 days of prayer and fasting, I am believing for breakthrough in our church, city, country, and within your life as well. Because there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light's name is Jesus. Hold tightly to him in prayer even when it doesn't make sense. And when you feel like you can't pray anymore or when your faith feels so small. Because Jesus says all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed and we can move mountains. We can move mountains, which means that we can see the impossible happen. Whatever you feel is impossible in your marriage or in your family, at your school, in your job, in your mental health, with your dreams, it is possible with our faith and trust in God. Your breakthrough is coming, my friends. So when I think of John the Baptist and with breakthroughs and persevering and waiting on God, a really important um, figure in history comes to mind. Who did this? Someone who persevered, who kept the faith through the greatest of hardships. And his name is Martin Luther King Jr. Many of us know that he was, first and foremost, a Baptist minister. His faith was central to his life, and he was doing ministry before God called him to be a major leader in the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And this cost him everything, including his life. And during that day, you have to understand, most people did not see Martin Luther King Jr. as a hero. They saw him as a threat that needed to be stopped. But he was certain that God wanted him to make a difference. And he kept faith and he persevered through the hardships, the death threats, the imprisonment, the attacks, the shootings, the times that his home was bombed with his wife and baby in there. I'm sure there were quitting points along the way and times when he doubted, am I the one? Am I really supposed to carry this forward? Did God really want me to do this and to make a change? We see him say in one of his sermons, in the midst of outer dangers, I have felt an inner calm and known resources of strength that only God could give. In many instances, I have felt the power of God transforming the fatigue of despair into the buoyancy of hope. Hope, strength, that is what Martin Luther King Jr. had to press forward. 
He had his faith in God and his vision for a brighter future. And unfortunately, he didn't get to see the day where his dreams became a reality because he was assassinated. But it's because of him and his perseverance and his faith that we now get to see a country that has so much more equity, inclusion, and opportunity for people of color. And tomorrow we get to celebrate him on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. He kept the faith until the very end. And so did John. Let's see John's breakthrough as he was asking this question, are you the one Jesus or should we expect another one? In other words, is all of this worth it? Is me being in this jail right now worth it? Everything that I did pointing to you. So Jesus answers the followers of John. In Matthew 11, verse 4, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus, Jesus is saying, it's true. I am the Messiah. This is the day that you have been waiting for, the answer you've been waiting for, what your soul has been longing to hear. And in scripture, we don't see when John gets this response, gets this answer, but I can only imagine that he rejoiced and he had so much peace within himself because that was the moment that his doubts were lifted, his uncertainty, his wrestling with God, wondering what the truth was, he received that. And he was able to rest in peace, and he did. He died in that prison. So what can we learn from John the Baptist when we think about our prayer lives and persevering? We can learn that it's okay to wrestle with God. He can take our questions. He already knows what they are. He can, he, we can wrestle with him, with our doubt. We can say things like, Lord, why isn't my child healed yet? Or God, why is our country so divided and chaotic? God, why do I feel your presence when I'm at church, but when I leave, I don't feel you anymore? Or God, why are you answering this prayer that I've had for 10 years? God, where are you? What are the questions that you have that you are longing to ask God? Be bold, be confident, and ask him those questions. Approach his throne with confidence. You can also learn that we need to allow God to shine his light into our darkness. John chose to seek out Jesus, to seek the light in his dark circumstances. He could have turned away, he could have thrown in the towel, but instead he invited God in. God's word and his promises are a lamp to our feet. And the light at the end of John's tunnel was that answer. What is the light for you? Maybe it's a reminder of God's love for you or that he will never leave you or forsake you or that he has a plan for your life and that you are here on purpose and you aren't here on accident. Jesus is the light of the world, the light of our lives, and let's allow that light to come into our darkness, no matter how challenging that is. We also learned from John to persevere. He could have been in that prison for years, 
and everything was stripped away from him. But what was left? It was his hope, his faith, and his prayers. That's what he had. And even though he couldn't see Jesus, he could feel that Jesus was with him. And he pressed on in faith until the very end. So remember, as I was saying, press on because your breakthrough can just be on the other side of one more prayer. So when we keep the faith, when we when our prayers get hard, when we are wrestling with doubt and with these questions with God, let's remember John the Baptist, Martin Luther King Jr., and those in the Bible that are right there with us. Because God might be asking us to put on our spiritual armor again and begin to fight again. He's inviting us to ask him those hard questions. He wants you to experience a breakthrough. And maybe beyond this 21 days of prayer and fasting, God is asking you to go further, to go deeper, to take more and more steps with him, not just to stop after 21 days, but to keep pursuing him more deeply. So let's pray. Let's pray for God's strength, for him to help us as we persevere in our prayer lives today. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you um, for the examples that we have in the word, that we see that people in the Bible are right there with us, that um, wrestling with you, doubting you, that isn't a new thing, God. Lord, we invite you in as we turn to you in our prayers as we try to persevere in life when it's so unpredictable and so hard and confusing. God, we put our trust in you today. We love you. We invite you in. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. We're so glad that you took the time to visit us. If the message spoke to you in any way, or if there's anything that we can be praying with you about, uh, please click the prayer link at the bottom of the screen. We do have pastors standing by who would uh, love to pray with you and love to chat with you about um, what God spoke to you during the message. Here at North Church, we do believe in connecting people in healthy and growing relationships. And so if that is a next step that you might want to take, we would love to help you be a part of the life and mission of our church. Please click the connect link at the top of the screen in order to do that, or feel free to check us out on our website online, which is northchurch.net. Thanks again. See you next week.